And, uh, and so I want to share some things with you. Obviously, it's, you know, here we are and it's Independence Day and we celebrate the day that some crazy men went through some tea over the, right? Some of you get that. How many of you know it was much more than that? That it was about finding freedom. Actually, it was really about religious freedom. And that's why in our Constitution, we talk about the separation of church and state. It's not to keep the church out of the state is to keep the state away from the church. It's religious freedoms. It's part of why we celebrate. And that's what much of our foundation is. And if you know your history, you can go read and study and look into those things and find out that much of the reason that our nation was formed was for that reason. Was they wanted the ability to be able to worship God without the interference of other people. And so that's part of what we celebrate today. And obviously, here in the United States, we, we celebrate these things. And we are so thankful for where we live. And as Americans, we do have a lot of freedom. Lots of freedoms that we take for granted because we don't. this is all we know. And, and if we're not careful, we can just, you know, we will take them for granted. But this is what I want you to realize is that, um, you know, even your rights as an American citizen, you know how long they last, right? The moment you stop breathing, you're no longer an American. You will not go to the gates of heaven and Peter say, hey, what's your, what was your address? Oh, you're an American? Go ahead and come on in. That's not, that, that, he's going to say, that means nothing here. I'm sorry. That citizenship is pointless on that side of this life. But what can happen, and so, but I think we have to be aware of that. But I also want you today is that there are more freedoms than what we celebrate here in America. They're actually more valuable, more important. They have greater implications in our daily life. And so it's very important that we have natural birthrights. Yes, we were born into this nation. And you know what? We have the right to say what we want to say, right? We have the right to eat all the barbecue that we want to eat. Praise God. I mean, you know, and you may, whatever, you can have your own opinions, but the Lord said it's all blessed and eat it all. So bring on some barbecue in my book. So but there are some freedoms, and, and I want you to consider these things this morning because we could be unknowingly forfeiting and maybe not enjoying fully the freedoms that we have now been given. Now, this is not talking about our American citizenship, and that's not what I really want to focus on today, although I'm very thankful for it. But what I am referring to is what the Bible talks about is that the freedom in Christ that he alone can give us. And those freedoms do matter when I get to heaven. And they are eternal and they're more than just this life. Although they have great implications on us and for us right now. And so we need to look at these things. And so one of the, one of my concerns though would be this is that as Americans, as people of that live in freedom is that we can actually allow all of the creature comforts that come with our life here to actually begin to encroach and begin to rob us of freedom that only comes from Christ. Because we're comfortable. And out of that, we can actually be not, and I don't think we would ever do it intentionally. And I say we because it's all of us can be prone to this. You know, I'll give you an example of this. A number of years ago, many of you know this, I was a youth pastor. And uh, for about a decade. And I remember one time I had a, one of the young men in my youth group came to me and we were talking and we were kind of debating on some things about, uh, kind of patriotism and defending and arguing all these things. And so he was all fired up about it. And finally I just got to a point. And I asked him a question. I said, well, where's your number one allegiance to? Is it as an American or is it to Christ? Because you're willing to die on a hill as an American for something that the Bible doesn't even really care about. Now, I know it just got real quiet in here. You're like, man, this is Independence Day. You can't say that. America, you know, I, I get it. And I'm not saying anything against us as a nation. But if we're not careful, we can get so sidetracked by, let me just say, a political issue that we forget the purpose of why we're here. 
which is to expand the kingdom of God for people to come to life in Christ. And not only that, but to make sure that we are actually keeping our freedoms in Christ and not forfeiting them. Let me give you an example of this. You can get all fired up about whatever your soapbox pet issue is, and you can forfeit your peace. Why? Because I'm arguing about something that has now gotten into my soul, that has now robbed me of something that Jesus has now given me. But I have chosen my natural citizenship over my spiritual inheritance. And if we're not careful, we can get dragged into the mud and forfeit what God has given us. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 tells us this. It says that so Christ has truly set us free. Another translation would say it this way. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It was for freedom. Jesus died the death on the cross so that we could now live not just in a natural freedom, but in a spiritual freedom. Because before Jesus, we were all slaves to sin with no help and no way out. No way to to actually be stronger than what we could be on our own. And it says here, So it says that that it was for freedom that Christ has made us free. Now, here's a very interesting scripture. It says, now make sure that you stay free. Jesus freed you, but you need to make sure that you stay free. Which tells me that's a warning from scripture. Means that I can actually give up or let go of, release my hold on the very thing that Jesus paid the price for me to have, which is freedom. In every area of my life. One scripture, one translation of this says it this way. Is that you would be completely and wholly free. And yet here the scripture tells that Jesus came to set us free. But make sure that you stay free. And it says this. It says don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Now what does that mean? The law was the Old Testament it was the God's original system in working with man. It was a, a long list of do's and don'ts, right? It starts with the Ten Commandments, but how many of you realize the list didn't stop there? And it was all about trying to reach God and trying to, to do all of these things. And there were systems in place that God did. And what happened is, is that the church here, these are church people that the book of Galatians is written to. And he says, don't go back to doing that old way of, of living Trying to somehow make yourself right with God by what you do or what you don't do. Don't get sucked back into an old system or an old mindset. And he says that we need to make sure that we stay free. Now it goes on and I would encourage you to read Galatians 5. I don't have time to read the whole thing. I would encourage you to go read this whole passage of scripture. Um, Because it's really power packed. It's got all kinds of of wisdom for us. But if you drop down to verse 13, it says this. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. It says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. But he says, look, don't use your freedoms as an excuse for the flesh. Now, all of us have a flesh, and we're going to talk about this in a few moments. And it's important that we understand where we are. Because if we're not careful, we can even take truths from Scripture and major on one part without having the balance. It's really a tension that is held. That's why the Bible uses this verbiage and it says that we are to what? Look at the whole counsel of scripture. What does that mean? Don't just cherry pick two or three verses that you like and do whatever you want. Look at the whole counsel of scripture. Because in the whole counsel of scripture, there's wisdom, there's revelation, and there is freedom. I mean, Paul said it this way, kind of aligning with this. He said that I can do anything. I have the freedom to do anything, but not everything is good or beneficial or profitable for me to do. Yes, I'm redeemed. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm going to heaven. Well, I guess I'm just 
waiting until I get there. No, there's way more than that that's going on right now. And so we need to be wise. The Bible says to be wise, understanding the days in which we live. It says don't act foolishly or thoughtlessly, but understand what the will of God is in this season and in this time for your life. This is what the scriptures tell us. And so we have to understand is that, yes, we have been redeemed. And just as it talks about here, it says, don't use your freedoms, your freedoms in Christ, to what? To satisfy a sinful nature. Now, you're going to have to stick with me because some of you, I can already tell you, depending on your church background, some religious hairs might start standing up here in the next few moments. I'm just warning you. Just stick with me and I will show you from Scripture because Scripture is the ultimate authority. Not my opinion or anybody else's. Scripture is the ultimate authority. And here, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians saying, don't use your freedoms to satisfy a sinful nature. And you're like, but I thought that my sin nature was dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And guess what they have? In some areas. Because we are a multiple faceted being. And so we need to understand that we still have a sin nature. Now we should not be identifying with our sin nature. That's when we would make statements like, well, you know, it's just who I am. My dad was this way. My granddad was that way. My mama was this way. We were just, this is just who we are. No, you're identifying with a sin nature. And the Bible says that we need to be renewed in our mind to understand that we have a new identity in Christ that we now identify with. But just because I have a new identity doesn't mean I don't have some sin nature lurking in the background, waiting to rise up. And I'm going to give you some examples of this. Because the thing is, is that our sin nature should never be in control But my concern is if we never even acknowledge that it's there, it will control us and we'll never even know it. And we will forfeit the freedoms that Christ came to give us simply because we just say, well, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. Jesus took the price for that. Jesus paid for all of my sins. Now, what is the sin nature? Ultimately, it's the desires of your flesh. Your flesh is like a two-year-old. Or a three-year-old. I got a three-year-old at home. Let's go three-year-old. I want what I want now. Mama, give me some juice. Daddy, I want some snacks. I'm like, you got some legs too, baby. You know where it's at. But your flesh just wants what it wants and it wants it now. How many of you remember the original Willy Wonka movie? I don't remember the character, but the little girl who wanted the blueberry thing. Daddy, daddy, I want it and I want it now. Right? That's the flesh. And unchecked, left unchecked, those desires will actually begin to destroy your life. Even as a blood-bought, spirit-filled Christian. Somebody who loves it. If we leave our sin nature completely unchecked, now we should never identify by it. That's a very important distinction. But it will destroy the freedoms that Christ came to give us. Why? Because we're allowing areas of our life to go unresolved and unchecked. And it's just running crazy. And we're wondering like, why, don't I, why am I losing my connection with the Lord? Why, why is the word of God not, why am I not like excited about God's word the way that I used to be? See, if we aren't careful, and this is a popular word right now in our culture, we can follow our truth. Well, the problem with our truth is that it's based on our experience. And our experience is not always the way that we see it. And I don't have time to go into that, but it's just the truth. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'll give you an example of this. One time I was all fired up about something. I know that's hard to believe, but I was ticked off. I'll just, I'll just be really candid. with. I was mad about a decision that Pastor Sam had made. I'm just going to be super candid with you. How about that? And I was mad about it. And I thought he was wrong. And I was going to go tell him that he was wrong. And why I thought he was wrong. Because I was, you know, 18 or 19 years old. And I knew it all. I know that wasn't you. It was just me. I, I know. 
And I will never, never, never forget the day that I was spewing my frustration to somebody else. And I kept saying, I disagree, I disagree, I disagree. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, you don't disagree because you don't know enough to disagree. You don't understand. Hmm. Well, my truth was that I was right. Until the Holy Spirit checked me. And sometimes our flesh will get in the way and we will guise it under the name of spirituality. And it's actually just our flesh going crazy. We will get caught up in the emotions of a moment. And we will actually forfeit the very things that Jesus has paid for us to have. I know it's awfully quiet. It's probably going to be like this today. I'm just telling you. But this is grown-up Christianity. This is like, if you grab hold of this, this is what actually will mature you and will grow you in the faith. This isn't a Sunday school lesson. This is for mature people, people that want to grow, that want to actually develop in your life with the Lord. Why? Because I want to make sure that we close the door to the enemy's work. And this is one of the areas. So let me break this down a little bit for you. Well, let me say this real quick. And then I'll get down to the breakdown. Is it to, to do this, to keep our spirit man in charge and to keep our flesh in check, it requires a few things. Discipline, restraint. We love these words. Self-discipline. Another word to say it is self-control, which, by the way, is a fruit of the spirit. That means I don't just have to say everything that goes through my mind has to come out of my mouth. Sometimes you just got to. I'm just not going to talk. Because I got nothing good to say right now. I got lots of words. I just don't need to say them. Right. I mean, think about if you didn't live with any restraint. Just think if you just said, you know what? I think all street signs are stupid. Street lights, street signs, all that stupid. You probably won't make it a mile away before you hit somebody or somebody hits you. Is it the sign's fault that you decided to live outside of the rules and regulations of the road? The Bible is the sign. And so when things hit, it's not God's fault when we've not heeded his instructions. And so what happens is anytime that we don't live inside of self-control, we will live in chaos and confusion. That is not freedom. It's not the freedom that Jesus came. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says that I, I subdue my body. I bring it under control. He says, though, that after preaching the good news to others, that I myself won't be disqualified. We can tell everybody about Jesus and yet forfeit everything that Jesus died to give us. And we want to make sure that we're holding on to it. So I want to help you to understand this. And so I'm going to put this on the screens because it, it, it's a decent amount of information, but I need you to, to see it and to grab hold of this. Is that this starts by understanding that you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your will, your desires, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, all of those. That's your soul. You live in a body. The Bible says this is a temporary residence. I mean, I don't know what I did last night, but my ankle hurt. It hurt this morning when I got up. I'm like, I have no idea what I did. It just hurts. I don't want to have this body forever. I want a redeemed, upgraded, glorified body that won't have aches, won't have pains, won't have none of that. It will be glorified. So we need to understand this. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Now, this is important to understand because if you understand that, you can understand this next part. Is that there are actually three parts, or I'm going to call them phases of salvation. Now, some of you are going to be like, I told you your religious hairs might stand up a little bit today. But I'm going to show you this. The three phases of salvation is that you are saved right now. 
spiritually, your spirit man has come alive unto God. You are being saved. That's your mind, your, your, your will, your emotions. The Bible talks about renewing your mind to the word of God. That means that you have to work salvation into your thinking. Your body, your flesh is not saved at all. It will be. When you get that glorified body, it will be saved. How many of you got your glorified body? Because guess what? Your body, your desires will drag you away from God's best for your life. Your flesh. The Bible says that they wage war against us. And so we actually, in reality, have three natures right now. We have a redeemed nature. Spiritually, you've been completely redeemed. That word redeems means that you've been bought, paid in full. So you've got full salvation there. You have a renewing nature that's happening in our souls. The renewing of our mind. So we are growing in salvation Philippians says that we are to, it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It really means to work it into every aspect and facet of your life. So work it in. And then we have a sin nature, the flesh. And here's the kicker. At any moment of any day, we get to choose which nature we want to live out of. I don't care how spiritual you are. You can be in the flesh that quick. You can be in here worshiping the Lord, doing all, you don't even make it to the corner and somebody cuts you off and you like, <gasps> and you can kick into the flesh. I mean, it can happen even quicker than that. You could be in worship and the Lord touches you and you got all the feels going on in the moment. You're crying. Oh, the presence of God is here in worship. And that can totally happen. And then sitting in your seat, you can become offended by something that I say or anybody else says. That fast. That's why, because it hits your flesh and your spirit's going, that's right. But your flesh is like, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. He, he ain't telling you the truth. It could be happening right now. See, that's what happens anytime that truth comes, the flesh wants to fight against it. Why? Because when the truth of God's word, it means the flesh doesn't get to be in control. Now, let me give you a practical example of this. When somebody does you wrong, and we've all been done wrong, varying degrees, but all three of your natures want to respond. They all got something to say. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you've done me wrong. Your flesh is going to say, get them. Time to pay back. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Whatever you did to me, I'm coming at you harder. That's your flesh. And how many of you know that's the one we hear first? No, you didn't, right? You don't know who you mess with, but no, you didn't. And your flesh can get really loud. We all know that voice real well. I don't have to preach much on that because we all like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you got me. So your flesh says, I got to get even. Your soul, which is your will, your mind, will, and emotions... Wants to go tell everybody about how they wronged you. To go get some sympathy. Because I need to feel better. I need, I need somebody to validate that I was done wrong. So I'm not going to hurt them. I just need to go tell everybody else so they don't hurt them too. At least that's what we say. But in truth, we just want somebody to validate that we were done wrong. And we actually don't care if they hurt somebody else because we're thinking about ourselves. I'm just going to get all up in it today. Just, Just... Wading deep. Now notice how this works. Our flesh says, get them. The soul says, let me go talk to somebody else. That's a little word called gossip, by the way. But your spirit will say, you need to pray and bless them. And your flesh is going, oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, sir. And your, your, your soul may be going like, Mm-mm, ain't doing that. Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Not doing that. But which one provides freedom? Which one protects your heart? Again, this is kind of grown-up kind of conversation. We're talking about how we interact and live with Scripture. 
See, the truth is, is that settling the score may feel good for the moment, but it actually won't fix anything. Yeah, it feels good for the moment. I got them. Yeah, but you've allowed something to grab hold of you now. Because it didn't end with the got you back. Because now it's taken root in your heart. Giving into your emotions just drives that bitterness even deeper. Let me just be real practical. The more you recount how you were done wrong, the deeper that bitterness seeps into your soul. And that bitterness has devastating consequences. Even though we've been called to freedom. That's why the Bible says, see to it that you stay free. Don't go back into bondage. You were, you were released from that. See, following Christ's instructions is what brings real life and real freedom. Many of you have heard this, this quote, this statement before. It says that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping that the other person would die. But how much do we do that? We get offended. We live in a culture that, man, just offenses everywhere. Everywhere. Everybody's so sensitive, seemingly. Let me ask you a question. What if we were unoffendable people? That takes maturity. And that takes putting my flesh under, getting my will submitted to the will of God, and me actually living from my spirit man so that I don't lose my freedoms. Because when I want to get offended, and look, and I'm bad about this. Like, I want to defend myself. I, I was done wrong. I, I mean... Lawyer up, case closed, let's do this. I have to be careful that I don't forfeit my freedoms in Christ so that I can be proven to be right. The Bible actually says, let every tongue that rises against me in judgment that he will prove to be in the wrong. I don't need to defend myself. The Bible says that I have an advocate. A ju- uh, uh, actually, it's like an attorney to argue my case at the right hand of God. So who cares what other people think about me? It's what God thinks about me and what Jesus declares about me that actually matters. And so if they think what they think, I'm sorry, but I know that's not who I am. And I'm not going to allow that opinion of me to change who and how I'm going to live. And if we're not careful, we will get sucked into these things and we'll become more concerned about the opinions of somebody and what they have accused us of. Because here's the thing, if you know it's not true, then why are you worried about it? Now, you may have to own up to some things. You'd be like, you know what? You're right. I ask you to forgive me. All right, I'm clear of that then. I'm good. <laughs> like, I sincerely apologize. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to come across that way. I'm sorry that I said that before. I slap the guard on my mouth and I sincerely ask you to forgive me. What they do with, with your apology is up to them. But again, hey, I was wrong. You want to know one of the greatest ways to kill pride in your life? I'm sorry. I was wrong. I apologize. Because the enemy wants pride to be rise up in our hearts. Why? Because pride separates us from the the freedom in Christ that we have. So it's important. See, anytime that we open the door and we sin, and this is not just in our attitudes, this may be in our behaviors. It could be in a lot of different things. But anytime that we open the door and sin, we actually open the, work, open the door to the work of darkness to come into our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says this, says, don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. One translation says it this way. It says, be angry, but don't sin. You can get frustrated, but don't let it fall into sin. But what is sin? Anywhere I don't trust God? Anywhere that I don't trust his word? Anywhere that I don't follow the convictions that I confess? It says, don't let, the, don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. It says, don't let anger, anger control or fuel or be fuel for revenge. Not even for a day. It says, don't let a slanderous accuser of the devil, or don't give the slanderous accuser of the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. Don't give him the opportunity. Close the back door. Now, we have to understand is that we still have a tendency, if you will, our flesh does, 
to sin. The Bible's very clear. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin are death. The wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. So what do we do? The book of Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 talk about this at length. I mean, the Apostle Paul who, who wrote it says, I know what to do, but I don't do it. And the things that I should do, I don't do. And he says, what a miserable man that I am. He says, man, I have this war that's raging on the inside of me. Well, what's he talking about? It's the war of the flesh and the spirit and your soul is in the middle. Who's going to win? Because if you're going to live with the freedom that Christ actually died to give us, it means our spirit man needs to be in the place of authority. Which again takes some self-control. It takes some thought control. That's why the Bible says take every argument that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bring it under subjection. To bring it underneath the authority of Christ. So what the Bible tells us. So don't be fooled into thinking that just because your sins have been forgiven, that that means that you're free of the sins or the, the damage that sin can cause in your life. See, just like Paul said, I can do anything. I have complete freedom in Christ, but not everything is beneficial. Yes, I can say anything I want. I'm an American citizen. I have the right to free speech. Yeah, but what about my citizenship in heaven that says every foul and useless word I'm going to give an account for? That's not a highlight reel I'm really looking forward to. Which one am I going to identify with first? Just because I can doesn't mean that I should. See, and if we're not careful, we can get caught up in this moment where we think, well, I can do anything. Yes, but you're not free from the consequences. You may be forgiven of sin and you can bring it to the Lord. And God is gracious to forgive us. And we're, we're going to look at this. But when we continue living in modes of areas of our life, especially when the Holy Spirit has convicted us of areas of our life, there are consequences. It's not God's best. It's not God's desire. God's desire is that what? That, that Christ has set us free for what? For freedom. That we would live in freedom. Now, I don't want you to get paranoid. So don't, don't check out and just be like, oh my gosh, I've got good news for you. I really do. But sometimes we need our eyes to be opened up a little bit to realize the work of the enemy in our life because I want to help you. And so when we continually walk in unconfessed sins, it does have damaging effects. So let's ask the question, then what is sin? If sin is something that we ought to be aware of and know about, what is sin? Very simply, I would say it this way, is that sin is any time I know to do the right thing and I do something different. The Bible says that you're accountable for what you know, not what you don't know. Now, that's good and bad, I suppose, in a way. But if your heart says no and you do it, the Bible calls that sin. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. This is actually talking about, this is actually the whole conversation about what they should and shouldn't eat. And so at the very end of the chapter, verse 23 says this. says that if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, it says you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. He says, for you are not following your convictions that little voice your conscience says you shouldn't watch this you need to change the channel and i remember it's only ever happened one time but i remember and i was a young christian my girlfriend at the time which was not dear but it was the girl i was dating at the time we went to see a movie we thought it was gonna be a good movie we made it about five ten minutes in and both of us looked at each other and just said, we don't want to be in here. And we got up and walked out. It was a particular movie that used the F word 420 something times. And there was just language and language and language and language. Like, oh, that doesn't affect me. Stay free. I've been called to freedom. So don't think that those influences 
don't affect you. You're affected by what you hear and by what you see. It's the two major ways that the enemy gets access to us. Through what we hear and what we see. So we need to guard those things. Follow our convictions. He goes on and he says, if you do anything that you believe is not right, then you are sinning. Now, I know you came to church just waiting for that verse today. You're like, man, pastor, I appreciate it. Man, I feel so good about myself. We have to have an honest assessment of who we are to ourselves. None of us are perfect, so let me just help you. Let me just help you real quick. Everybody in here, including myself, we're all sinners. Every one of you, including me. There are still areas of all of our lives that are not completely redeemed yet. So don't get condemned by that. We have a very gracious Savior who died for us because we were jacked up and he knew it. Right? Just be honest about it. Romans chapter 8 says this in verses 1 through 3. It says, so now. Everybody say that word now. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Now, Pastor, you just said, I mean, I wasn't feeling too good like 30 seconds ago. And uh, so I'm not sure what you want me to do with this verse because you just called me a sinner. Now you're saying don't be condemned. Yes. Have an understanding that you have a sin nature, but right now there's no condemnation. You shouldn't feel shame or guilt. Why? Because in Christ we are forgiven. But just because I'm forgiven doesn't mean I don't have this nasty nature lurking in the background waiting to wreak some havoc in my life. It says, so now there's no condemnation to those who belong to Christ. And now this is important. It says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit. So notice these words I've highlighted. The power of the spirit has freed you from the power of sin. The power of the spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It says the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, he declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus came to do what we could not do. And this is an important truth that we need to understand. But the thing that we have to realize is that the Spirit of God has the power to actually enable us to overcome all sin. So I just called you a sinner. I just insulted you. You might have been offended. Let me help you. There's not a sin in your life that the grace of God cannot enable you to overcome. Your issue, whatever it may be, should never label you. Why? Because Christ has already called you by name. And that should be the thing that we identify with. And his grace is sufficient in the midst of every one of our moments and every bit of our failing and falling and and all that that is. That God still looks at us and says, you're blameless in my sight. And you're like, yeah, but Lord, did you did you catch this one? I don't know if it made the top 10 list last night, you know, on your throne or not. But did you see that I blew it again yesterday? See, that's condemnation. There's no, right now, there's no condemnation. I'm not perfect, but what I do know is I'm accepted. Why? Because of Jesus. And that the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus is stronger than any of the power of sin in my life. Here it says that that God declared an end to sin's control over you. You want to know when you can stop sinning? The moment you decide. The Holy Spirit won't force you to do it, but he will help you. To overcome it. And it doesn't, I mean, it may happen in a moment. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it has to do with thought processes. And we have to renew our mind to the word of God. To what? To actually walk in the freedom that Christ has came to give us. What we can't do is we can't afford to excuse areas of sin in our life. Let me say it this way. We can't excuse or give an excuse to when we've allowed our sin nature to rule our life. No, we need to what? We need to recognize it. 
which actually is the work of the Holy Spirit. Because by nature, by our birth, I'll say it that way, our sin nature was in control. Well, we have to allow that, that new nature to lead us and guide us today. This is the, the wisdom of Scripture. So, we don't want to excuse it. We have to recognize it. But it's not just enough to recognize it. The Bible actually says that we need to confess it to the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to walk around with a notepad. And every time you do something, write it down. Come over here. Write it down. Write it down. End of the night. Okay, Lord, let me get my notepad out. <laughs> Ooh, that was a bad one, wasn't it? <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. Let me, let me give you an easy one. David prayed this prayer in Psalms. He says, Lord, if there's anything in me that offends you, that pretty much covers everything, right? But it can't be lip service. It has to be really from the heart. Like, Lord, I, I know that I've messed up. And I know that I've not measured to the full stature that you've called me to. But I'm not going to allow myself to be drugged into condemnation either. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. I've been created new. I have the life of God living on the inside of me. That I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That, that old man, even though he may be dying, he's dying. I'm not going to keep feeding him. Those attitudes, those thoughts, the, that area of compromise in my life. I know that the enemy's trying to use that as a tool to rob me of what God has for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to starve that joker and I'm going to feed upon the word of God because that builds up and gives life to my spirit man so that I'm not forfeiting my freedoms. First John chapter 9 tells us this, says if we claim that we have no sin, says we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Now again, I'm not talking about identifying with our sin, that's a whole different thing. You should never be identified by your sin, ever. Because that's the devil and he's got you. Well, this, uh, I guess this is just who I am. No, you're not. You are not what you do. Please hear that. So he says, if we claim that we have no sin, that, hey, I, I don't have anything and all these things. He says... You're only fooling yourself. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And here's a, such a powerful truth. And to cleanse us. Not only does he forgive our sins, but he cleanses us. That's why when I screw up, I don't have to be weighed down with the weight of my mistakes. Because God will cleanse my conscience. I mean, I'm, I'm decades now away from when I first Surrendered my heart to the Lord. And when I talk about my life before Christ, it's like I talk about somebody else. Why? Because my conscience has been cleaned. That's an old man that I no longer identify with. And the enemy wants to take, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how, and the Bible talks about that he's subtle, that he's stealthy. Is that the enemy will try to trip, up, trip us up and drag us into an area where we go against our convictions. And he's the first one to try to accuse us. He's like, come on, come on, come on. Why did you do this? That's the way the devil works. But God says, I'm going to come pick you up in the middle of that and say, come on, let's get up. Why? Because he cleanses us from all wickedness. It says, if we claim that we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read you several verses here as I'm wrapping up. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Since you have heard about Christ and have learned the truth that comes from him, it says, throw off or throw aside your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And by the way, that's not a one-time event. To throw off that old nature. We've already established, you have three natures right now. You have a redeemed nature. You have a nature that's being renewed. And you have a sin nature. It's there. It's there. It's there. But just because it's there doesn't mean it needs to be in control. Doesn't mean that it needs to even be in a dominant position. As a matter of fact, it should never be in a dominant position. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And it says that as you've learned the truth, you throw aside this old nature... 
It says, which is uh, corrupted by lust and by deception. It says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Allow the Holy Spirit to renew you. Change the way you think. It it means a metamorphosis. It's the uh, caterpillar into the butterfly. That's metamorphosis. And God says, let me remake you and completely reshape you into something that never before has existed. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the word of God. And that metamorphosis happens over and over and over and over. The Bible says that God takes us from what? From glory to glory to glory. And we keep developing and growing. And we keep becoming and maturing into who God has created us to be. But we have to throw off that old man. And we have to walk in the newness of life that we've been called to. And it says here, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. It says to put on your new nature created to be like God. That word put on literally means it gives the, the, our language is not very visual. The Hebrew and the Greek were very visual languages. When it says put on, think about putting on a coat. Well, here's the thing about a coat. You can choose to put it on and you can choose to take it off. And in a moment of time, I can choose to put on my new nature. But in a moment of time, I can choose to throw it aside and walk in my old nature if I choose to. But anytime that I'm walking in my old nature, it has destruction to it. So I want to walk in in this. And as it says, let the spirit renew you. This isn't a work that we do. It's a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. If I'm trying in my own strength, I'm going to fail. If I've, ever, if I've learned one thing living for the Lord, I know that to be true. If I try without the help of the Holy Spirit, I can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit, I can do anything. There's nothing that I can't overcome. There's nothing that you can't overcome when we allow the Spirit to renew us. Galatians chapter 3 says this. The Apostle Paul, again, talking to the Galatian Christians. And he says, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ's death was made very clear to you as if it had been a a picture of his death on the cross. He says, let me ask you one question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He says, of course not. He says, you received the spirit because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. And he says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new life, this new nature in the spirit, why do you think that you can become perfected by your own human efforts? One translation says, who has tricked you into thinking that your salvation that started by the work of the Holy Spirit is now going to be perfected by the work of your flesh? It it can't happen. It didn't even start that way. For years, I didn't understand this. I thought I got saved by the grace of God and God, I'm going to be writing you, writing back, like buying it back. Like I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to be so good. I'm going to follow everything according to the letter of the the scriptures. They're not going to be a better Christian than me. And all of that was rooted in pride. Because I just wanted to be better than them. And as long as I was better than them, I thought I was good. The problem was, as long as I was better than them, I lost sight of the grace of God that saved me. And the thing is, is that I need the grace of God today as much as I did, whatever, 25 years ago. And that same grace that saved me 25 years ago is the same grace that saves me today. And the problem is, is that when I start looking at everybody else, I lose sight of the grace that's coming to me. And it produces self-righteousness. That's the problem. But that's that old man. He's wanting to come back. Remember, it says, don't go back to that old system. That's what we're talking about. Don't go back to that old system. Live in the newness of life. The spirit of God working and moving on the inside of every one of us, helping us to grow and develop and mature. Perfection is not possible. I used to think I want to be perfect. And then a little bit of time went by and I realized that that's just not possible. Perfection is not possible this side of heaven. But I've got some really good news. Forgiveness is. For every single one of us, forgiveness is possible because of Jesus. And so we have to walk in the freedom that Christ has now given us. 
And so I want to encourage you this morning, even as I'm wrapping up, man, that I, I believe, you know, it, it's kind of like the salvation prayer. Like I said, I got saved at 17. I'll be 42 in a couple months. That's been 25 years ago that I started living for the Lord. The same prayer that I prayed in my bed to get saved is the exact same prayer that I need to be praying today. Is that, Lord, I surrender my heart to you and I surrender my life to you that I am not my own, but I need the forgiveness of my sins. Why? Because I need to have an honest assessment of who I am. And I need to realize that I still need grace. That I've not arrived and I've not accomplished and I've not become something or somebody. No, I'm just a human being who's in need of the desperate need of God's grace and his mercy in my life. Because without Christ, what am I? I'm not forgiven. I'm not redeemed. And in reality, I'm hopeless. Because I'm left to the best that I can do. But with Christ, my spirit is renewed. And I could pray that same prayer of salvation every single day for the rest of my life. God, I surrender my heart to you today. Like I'm going to lead everybody in a prayer here in just a few moments. You may say, oh, I've been saved. Maybe you need to repray that prayer. Maybe you need to make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Say, man, I realize that I've kind of been on in coast mode here. That I, I, I'm realizing that I've lost some of the freedoms, that the enemy's actually robbed me of some of the things that Christ died for me to have. So all we have to do, the Bible says, is that what? Is that, and, and here's the thing, is that it's not just enough. And this is some, some things for Scripture, specifically about salvation, because sometimes if we're not careful, we'll just tell people, oh, just believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. But that's not what Scripture says. It does say we have to believe in our hearts, but it says we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we are sinners in need of grace, that we have to ask for the forgiveness of our sins. Why? So that a new heart can come, so that we can be cleansed. I mean, I I can't imagine being saved, but still, but never being cleansed of my sins. Like believing in the Lord, and saying, well, I believe in Jesus, but never asking him to cleanse my conscience. There's some of you here today, and you may need the Lord to cleanse you of your past. You're saved and you're going to heaven, but you've never said, Lord, clean my heart, clean my conscience. Like, I, I don't want to identify with who I was. That, 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 that's an old man, and I want to live new. So I want-